Friends, as we go to this text, I wonder if you are in a similar state to where I found myself this week. I get sucked in sometimes to what's going on on social media. And one of the things that sucks me in like a black hole is reports of how things are going with the church, particularly bad reports, reports of abuse in the church, spiritual abuse especially is a prominent theme now in our culture, or reports of ways that certain church leaders or certain churches have failed. And I'm sucked in because I want to understand why. Why do certain people or certain churches cease to follow King Jesus and depart from the way that is so clear in the scriptures? And how can we possibly avoid doing that? And you know what? I usually end up walking away pretty discouraged. I usually end up walking away thinking, who is sufficient for these things? I'd like to find a nice warm corner of Christianity that I can curl up into and just wait for Jesus to come back. Because it doesn't seem like there's anything we can do. And it doesn't seem like we can make it. I wonder if sometimes you feel like that. Maybe it's not the particular state of the church. But maybe it's the state of our our country right now. All the conflict going on. Or it's particular struggles in your own family. Or it's particular sufferings that have come in your life. Where you feel like the best solution is to find a little corner to curl up in and wait for Jesus to come back. Doesn't mean you don't want to follow him. It just seems so difficult, so hard. Friends, if that's you this morning, then I have good news for you. You are not alone. You are not alone and you are not without hope. And God's word has something to say to us this morning. See, that's where Paul knew that Timothy found himself at Ephesus. Paul had called Timothy to be this pastor of this church in Ephesus That was full of heartache, full of suffering. We saw two weeks ago when we looked at the first half of 2 Timothy 3 that difficult times were ahead and indeed already here. Because within the church had risen people consumed with self-love. People with the appearance of godliness but denying the power of the gospel. And these same people had crept into households and captured weak women burdened with their sins. And kept them enslaved to self-love and blinded to the power of the gospel. Can you imagine how Timothy may have thought, I don't know what I got myself into. What on earth is happening here? Why? If I'm trying to follow Jesus, is it going so poorly? Why are these evil people and imposters going from bad to worse? Deceiving and being deceived. Can I just find a little corner To curl up into and wait for Jesus to come back? Paul, maybe you want to take this back. I know you're in prison, but maybe you can take it. Right? I think Timothy was in this state and Paul knew that this was what was going on in Timothy's heart. And he wrote these words to encourage him. So they have encouragement for Timothy. And by extension, because of God's kindness to us through his spirit, they have encouragement for you and I this morning. So let's pray and ask God to do that by his spirit to encourage us to continue following Jesus. Father, I pray that you would help us by your spirit as we go to your word. Would you work in us to show us the glory and the goodness of following in what we have heard and firmly believed. 
in continuing to stay the course and trusting in Jesus? And would you help us see how you sustain us in that course? These things are only visible to us, only discernible to us, and only trustworthy for us if your spirit awakens our hearts to these things. So I pray that your spirit would do that. Would you strengthen our faith as we go to your word? In Jesus' precious name, amen. As we look at 2 Timothy 3, 10 to 17, Paul's main point, his main emphasis, what he wants to get across to Timothy is in verse 14. Look at verse 14 here with me. Paul writes this, he says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. Continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. Keep following Jesus. Keep following this course that you have set out upon, Timothy. Do not depart from this way. Do not quit and go back, but continue. Paul is trying to get this across to Timothy, and he's doing it by reminding Timothy of some things. He's going to remind Timothy, particularly, that he is on the right path. What he has started down and who he has followed is good, and he should continue in these things. And he's going to remind Timothy that though this path is difficult and it has great trials to come, the end result, the goal is worth it. And he's going to remind Timothy that though this path is difficult, you have everything you need, Timothy, to reach the end. You see, Paul is acting like a guide for Timothy and for us. And this is helpful when you're on a hard journey. See, our family loves to go on hikes. And this last summer, we hiked up by Cascade River State Park. We hiked up to Lookout Mountain there. It's not really a mountain in Minnesota. It's more like a giant hill, right? But the views were beautiful. It was well worth it. But it was a long and arduous hike of several miles up steep incline. And as we were going, we thought maybe, is this the right way? I mean, there were several paths we could go. Are we down the right one? And is this going to be much further? Are we almost there? Can we make it? Do we have enough energy to reach the top? We did, and when we got there, we saw it was well worth the trip. The views of Superior National Forest are gorgeous from the top of Lookout Mountain. I recommend you hike it. As we came back down, one of the things happened that often happens when we go hiking is we met other hikers, and we'd already been at the top and seen these beautiful views, and these other hikers were going up this steep incline, this difficult path. And they asked us, how much further is it? Are we going the right way? Is it worth it to get to the top? And we were able to say, yeah, you're only about an hour from the top. Keep going. Keep pushing through. I know it's hard, but it'll be well worth it. See, it was helpful for them. You could see the assurance come over their face as we who had already been there said, yes, keep going. That's what Paul is doing for Timothy here. He's already been there. He is at the end of his course. In prison, awaiting execution. All that's left is to die and to be with Christ. And he's saying, Timothy, you are on the right path. Keep going. It's worth it. Continue in what you have heard, what you have seen, what you have firmly believed. So let's look at Paul's encouragements to Timothy and be encouraged ourselves to continue following Jesus, to stay this course that's set out before us. Verse 10, Paul starts out with this. He says, you, however, have followed my teaching 
my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. Timothy has been following someone. And Paul says, it's me that you've been following, Timothy. You know me. You've seen me. You've seen my life and you've followed it. We don't, aren't told much in scripture about Timothy and his time before being in ministry with Paul. He's just mentioned frequently with Paul. But we do see in Acts 16, when Timothy first joins Paul. Listen to what Luke records in Acts 16 for us. Paul, on his missionary journeys, came also to Derbe and to Lystra. And Lystra is where Timothy's from, by the way. A disciple was there, Luke says, named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and at Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Timothy joined in with Paul in this fruitful ministry, followed him, interestingly, to the point of being circumcised as an adult. So something that Timothy saw in Paul made him willing to be circumcised as an adult and follow Paul, to pay a dear price already, and then more price as time went on. What did Timothy see in Paul that made him follow in Paul's footsteps? What did Timothy see that made him start down this path in the first place? Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.10, you followed first of all in my teaching. See, Paul was going about teaching the churches, proclaiming the gospel. In 1 Corinthians 2, we see that Paul is not proclaiming the gospel with lofty words of wisdom, eloquent speech, but in a demonstration of the spirit and in power, he proclaims Christ and him crucified. That was enough to draw Timothy in and say, you know what, that powerful gospel that you're preaching, I I want more of that. I want to believe that. I want to know more about this Jesus who was crucified. I've heard about him growing up. Tell me more, Paul. So he followed Paul's teaching. Not just because Paul powerfully proclaimed it with his words. But notice what Paul says next in verse 10. You followed my teaching and my conduct. See, Paul was Saul, right? Before he met Jesus. He was Saul and on the road to Damascus, he's breathing threats and murder. And then what happens to him in Acts 9? Jesus appears and says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he falls down and says, who are you, Lord? And he says, I'm Jesus. And he calls him to follow him. And the gospel made such a transformation in Paul's life that he went from breathing threats and murder against the followers of Jesus to proclaiming Christ and him crucified as our only hope in life and death. Paul's life was radically transformed. And so when Paul says, Timothy, you followed my conduct. It wasn't just that Paul came to Lystra and preached a powerful message. It was that Paul came to Lystra and lived a powerful gospel. Timothy saw how transformed Paul's life was and said, you know what? If that's what Jesus does, I want that. I want to follow that. I want to proclaim that. And so he did. Paul says, thirdly, You have followed my teaching, my conduct, and my 
aim in life. Paul's aim was to testify to the gospel of the grace of God, he says in Acts 20. And Timothy said, you know what? That's a worthy aim. That's a worthwhile life calling. Paul, I want to follow your aim in life. To testify to the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Timothy followed. When Paul says, Timothy, you followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life. He's saying not only did Timothy pay attention to it, but he started to imitate it. What Paul proclaimed, Timothy started teaching. What Paul lived, Timothy started living. What Paul was aiming for became Timothy's aim. Timothy followed and imitated Paul. And as Paul says elsewhere, when he calls the Corinthians, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. When Timothy started following Paul this way, he was really following Jesus, wasn't he? Because Paul was following Jesus. This was, follow me as I follow Christ, Timothy. And Timothy said, yes, I'm going to do that. And started off down this path of following Jesus. Paul's way of life testified that he followed Christ. And so Timothy, through following him, began to follow Jesus. So Paul's point in bringing this up, what he wants Timothy to see, is that starting down on this path was good. This is the right path that you're on. As you follow my conduct, my teaching, my aim in life, my love, my faith, my patience, as you follow these things, Timothy, You are following the right path. And so you need to continue down following this path. Paul is calling Timothy to remember who he first learned this gospel from. Who he first learned to follow Jesus from. When he says in verse 14, right? As for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. He's pointing back to that verse 10 and saying, remember, I've been talking. You've been following me. So the application For us is clear that to follow Jesus, to continue following Jesus, it is worthwhile to remember that we are on this path and remember the witness of others who have called us to follow Jesus too. That's what Paul is reminding Timothy to do. Remember these witnesses that have called you to follow Jesus. And so it behooves us to ask, who first called you on this path? Who first sparked in you the desire to follow Jesus? Where you looked at their life and you looked at what they said and said, you know what, I want that too. For many of us, it was probably something like Timothy and Paul. The witness of a mentor or a friend who shared the gospel with us and showed us by their life what it looked like to follow Jesus. And we said, I want that. For others, it was probably apparent, right? Who said, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. This is the trustworthy gospel. And from an early age, we trusted them. And maybe we can't remember not wanting to follow Jesus. Because we just always have. Because our parents from an early age acquainted us with following Jesus. With this path that is worthy. Some of you may not be able to remember anyone that was like this. Or you may remember someone that was like this that later proved themselves not to be in the faith. This is what breaks my heart today. Seeing those who once followed Christ faithfully, it appeared, walk away from him at an older age. To come to no longer need Jesus, no longer desire him. Maybe that's you, maybe someone you know and loved 
and who led you in the faith has departed from the faith. Whether you have good memories of those who sparked in you a desire to follow Jesus like Timothy does of Paul, or whether you have broken memories, the reality is that, friends, we are still surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Hebrews 12 talks about following Jesus and continuing in the faith because we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And you know what? The author of Hebrews lists a bunch of people you've never met that you don't know. This is a well-worn path that we're on. Following Jesus is not trailblazing. Following Jesus is sticking in these ruts that have been established for centuries by saints before you and I. That have followed Christ faithfully. That have continued down the path in circumstances and sufferings and persecutions much more severe than anything any of us are facing right now. We have a great cloud of witnesses in church history. We have a great cloud of witnesses personally. And friends, we have an everyday cloud of witnesses in the church. As one another follows Jesus, as you see the people around you here at church following Christ, they are witnessing this path that you are on is good and sure and leads to life. And you can continue following Jesus. If you are weak and weary in following Jesus and you are doubting whether this path is the right one, whether it's worth it, look to those around you, friends. Look to one another and the image of Christ within each other and be encouraged to continue following Jesus. Paul witnessed to the rightness of this path. And the transformative power of the gospel. But he didn't just witness to the power of his teaching to transform conduct. He witnessed to the power and the reality of the gospel to equip us in the face of intense persecution and suffering. That's what else Paul wants Timothy and us to remember. He continues in verse 11. He says, you have followed Not just my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, etc. But you have followed, verse 11, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. It's interesting here that Paul mentions specifically these places. Look again at verse 11. Antioch, Iconium, Lystra. It's interesting that Paul mentions these because these persecutions that happened to him at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra all happened before Timothy joined him. We read in Acts 14, after Paul preaches in Lystra and they think he's Hermes and Barnabas is Zeus and Paul and Barnabas manage to convince them, hey, we're not the Greek gods. We proclaim to you a living God. Then what do they do? They drag him out of the city and stone him. And leave him for dead. In Lystra, where Timothy lived, Timothy would have been well aware of this preacher named Paul who was proclaiming this Jesus and had already been drugged out of the city and stoned and left for dead. This was not something that Timothy would have been like, oh wait, that was you? Timothy was well aware of Paul's persecution. So when Paul says, you followed my persecutions, Timothy knows that this is the cost of following Jesus. But can you imagine, Timothy, for a second? I'm sure it's like many of you would be, and myself included. 
yeah, that's, that's Paul. It's Paul, you know, sometimes he says things that ruffle people the wrong way. It's probably going to be different for me. You know, I'm going to maybe find a nice, a nice cozy corner of Christianity to be in. Where, where it's not quite so dangerous. Where it's not quite so... Paul's on the bleeding edge, you know. I mean, Timothy's thinking these things. Like, maybe it won't be so bad. Or, or when it is so bad, I'm sure I can handle it. He found in the realities of ministry that this is much more difficult than he had thought. Even... As he saw Paul's persecutions, this is much more difficult, and he is tempted to depart from the way. But Paul wants Timothy to know that this is not exceptional, what happened to him at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra. This is the norm for all those who would follow Jesus. That's what he says in verse 12, right? He says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus... All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. The norm for those who follow Jesus is persecution. The norm for those who follow Jesus is what Paul is describing in the first half of chapter 3, right? Times of difficulty, he says in verse 1. There will come times of difficulty. Verse 2, for people will be lovers of self. And he lists all these characteristics that flow out of that love for self. They will have the appearance of godliness, verse 5, but deny its power. These people not only will harm themselves, but he goes on to say in verse 6, there's among them those who creep into households and capture weak women who harm others. By keeping them bound in sin and denying the power of the gospel to free them. They oppose the truth, as he says in verse 8. This is the norm of life following Jesus. is coming up against these circumstances. These difficult times that are caused by those who reject Christ. As he says in verse 12, evil people and imposters will go on from worse, bad to worse. Deceiving and being deceived. This is the norm. Is it any wonder then if this is the norm. Why Timothy would be tempted to quit. This is not an easy norm. But Timothy ought not to be surprised that this is the norm right. This is what Jesus proclaimed all along. In John 16 he tells his disciples about this. Listen to what he says in John 16. 1 through 4. I've said all these things to you, my disciples, to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering a service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Jesus warned that the time would come and was indeed already here because he was being hated. When the world would hate his followers, his disciples. Paul said as much in Acts 14, preaching that certainly Timothy would have heard. Acts 14, 21 to 22, Paul writes this, or excuse me, Luke writes this about Paul. It says, when they, being Paul and Barnabas, had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium. And to Antioch. These very places where they were persecuted. And what did they do? Verse 22. Strengthening the souls of the disciples. Encouraging them to continue in the faith. The same thing Paul is doing here. 
encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. This message that Paul is telling Timothy is not new, right? This is what he's been proclaiming all along, that all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted and must continue in the face of that persecution. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted because in a world that hates the truth, those who love the truth will be hated. Right? These people, he says in verse 13, imposters, liars, go on from bad to worse doing what? Deceiving and being deceived. Hating the truth. Romans 1 talks about the world suppressing the truth of God. And exchanging God's glory for the glory of created things. In a world that hates the truth, those who love the truth will be hated. And what does Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Those who love Jesus in this world will be hated. Those who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Timothy ought not to be surprised. But at the same time, he ought not to despair. Right? What does Paul say in verse 11? You know, you followed my persecutions, my sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet what? Yet, from them all, the Lord rescued me. Jesus tells his disciples, you'll be hated, but don't fear because I've overcome the world. Right? He has overcome the world. He has delivered his people. And so when Paul says the Lord has rescued me from them all, that is based on Jesus' deliverance of his people. He prays this way for his people. When he prays the high priestly prayer in John 17, this beautiful prayer of Jesus, he prays this way for his followers. He says in verse 14 of John 17, I've given them your word and the world has hated them. Because they're not of the world. Just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world. But that you keep them from the evil one. Jesus isn't asking that his disciples and his followers would be spared from persecution and suffering. This is why Paul can say, honestly, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But what is Jesus asking? Father, deliver them from the evil one. This is why Paul can say with confidence, the Lord has rescued me from them all. Even though one of his ways of rescuing was for Paul to be drug out of the city and stoned near death. Paul's view is that God continues to rescue him. And he views it this way. 2 Timothy 4, 18. He writes this. One of the most beautiful sentences in this letter. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and what? And bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord has rescued me. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. Paul is assured of that. And he wants Timothy to be sure of that as well. Timothy, remember Continue in the faith, knowing from whom you've learned it, knowing my path, my way of life, and knowing that as I have walked down the path of suffering and persecution, the Lord has delivered me from it all. 
Not by sparing me the pain, but by keeping me from the evil one. Keeping me faithful, keeping me following Jesus Christ. The application for us is obvious, right? Do not be surprised when you encounter trials of various kinds. As Peter writes in 1 Peter. Do not be surprised when you suffer for the name of Jesus. Because the world that hates the truth will hate you. If you follow the truth. If you desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. You will be persecuted. One way or another friends. Do not be surprised. But also do not lose heart. Right? Do not lose heart. Because just as the Lord rescued Paul from every evil deed. And brought him safely into his kingdom. And Paul is with Christ now. Dead. And awaiting the final resurrection. Just as he has done that for Paul, he will do that for you and I as well. That's a beautiful promise. For some of us, the knowledge that we're on the right path, and the knowledge that even though there's trouble ahead, God will preserve us, is enough. But many of us like to know more, like to know how. How, God, are you going to preserve us on this path? How can I possibly continue on this path? And that's where Paul goes next. Verse 14 again, he says this, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it. And then knowing this. Knowing from whom you've learned it, verse 15, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Paul says here, Timothy, continue in what you have heard and firmly believed. Continue in this, knowing all of these things, but also knowing this sacred scriptures that you have been acquainted with since childhood. Knowing this, first of all, verse 15 That it's able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. See, Timothy grew up in the church, so to speak. Like many of you, like me. He grew up in the church, acquainted with these sacred writings from childhood. We read about in the beginning of 2 Timothy, in chapter 1, where Timothy has this sincere faith in him, a faith that dwelt first in his grandmother and mother, Lois and Eunice, who, from a young age, took Timothy to synagogue to hear the word of the Lord proclaimed, to hear the scriptures read, to be familiarized with the scriptures. And Timothy, as a young boy, likely memorized many of those scriptures and planted God's word down in his heart under the faithful tutelage of his parents so that it formed him and prepared a heart ready to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. As Paul says, these scriptures, which would for Timothy would have been the Old Testament, are able to make you wise for salvation in Christ Jesus. Since childhood, Timothy has been trained in this way, being equipped for this path he's on. But not just since childhood, not just equipping for salvation, but verses 16 and 17, right? All scripture, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, So that what? The man of God may be complete. Equipped for every good work. All scripture 
is equipping for every good work, which means Timothy has everything he needs for this path of following Jesus. Every good work that lies along this path, including persevering in the face of suffering, Timothy has what he needs. There is nothing, there is nothing that followers of Jesus face that scripture is not sufficient for to equip us to continue to follow Jesus. There is nothing that falls outside the realm of scripture where we say, you know what, the Bible doesn't have anything to say about that and I need to find help somewhere else. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for us in different ways, Paul lists certainly, but all for equipping for every good work. We have in the scriptures everything we need. How do we have everything we need from the scriptures? You'd be right to ask, how do we have everything we need from the scriptures? Think about what we need. What's necessary for eternal life, Jesus says, is that they know you, God, and they know Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's what's necessary for life. How do we know God and how do we know Jesus Christ, whom he has sent? Through his word. He speaks to us. All scripture is God-breathed. Every written word is spoken to us by God. We know God through his word. Not only that, but to persevere, what do we need? Hebrews 12 talks about it, right? We're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. So what should we do? Lay aside every sin and weight which encumbers us and look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. To persevere, we need to look to Jesus. How do we see Jesus? In all of scripture, which is God-breathed and exposes the very heart of Christ to us. When Jesus reveals himself to his disciples after his resurrection on the road to Emmaus, he's walking along with these two guys who don't recognize him for some reason because the spirit hasn't awakened their eyes. And what does he do? He says they should have understand what happened, but they didn't. And so he takes, and beginning with Moses and the prophets and the writings, the Old Testament, explains to them all of the scriptures concerning himself. All of scripture points to and accumulates in Jesus Christ. And so we know Jesus. We look to Jesus through seeing him in his word. That's what we do week in and week out. That's why we spend time looking carefully at his word. That's why we spend time reading and thinking about his word, memorizing his word. Not because the words themselves are the end, but the words themselves are the means by which God reveals himself to us. Scripture is sufficient then for everything we need because of this. It's tempting to think as we look at the challenges of our modern age that scripture isn't enough to equip us. We're tempted to think maybe we need something more or a new way of following Jesus. I want to read you what John Stott said about this text. He wrote this in the early 70s. And yet it's still so much more applicable today. He said, this kind of summons is not infrequently heard in the pages of the New Testament. Continue following Jesus. Continue trusting in what you've heard and learned. Quote, it's specially relevant whenever innovators arise in the church. Radicals who claim to be progressive and who repudiate everything which savors of the traditional. 
It has perhaps never been more needed than today when men boast of inventing a new Christianity with a new theology and a new morality, all of which betoken a new reformation. To be sure, the church of every generation must seek to translate the faith into the contemporary idiom, to relate the unchanging word to the changing world. But a translation is a rendering of the same message into another language. It's not a fresh composition. Yet, this is what some modern radicals are doing, setting forth concepts of God and of Christ, which Jesus and his apostles would not have recognized as their own. Friends, that is still happening today and even more so. Looking at the faith and saying what we need to do is we need to deconstruct it. We're becoming exvangelical. If you haven't heard that term, it's coming. It's the idea that I love Jesus. I just don't like religion in the church. It's a rejection of tradition, a rejection of the faithful witness. It's a rejection of the cloud of witnesses around us. Paul calls Timothy 2,000 years ago, the same call we need today, to continue in what we have learned, continue in what we have heard, continue, as he says, in what you have learned and firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned it, and knowing that the scriptures are sufficient. Friends, this is a call to keep following Jesus. It's a call to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, who walked this path before us. Jesus' path was a path of suffering that led to the cross, right? But it's through this path of suffering leading to the cross that Jesus was raised from the dead and exalted in glory. It is through this path of suffering and persecution that joy is found. Because that joy waits on the other end of the resurrection. It's through sharing in Jesus' suffering this way that we share in Jesus' glory. That's what Paul is calling Timothy to do all through this letter. We walk this path as we walk it, not alone, but we walk it in Christ. Notice verse 12, Paul says, All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. This is how we walk, step after step. In Christ Jesus. In union with him. Which means. That we share in his sufferings. But it also means we share in his strength. And his glory. And we walk this path the same way. That Jesus did. Remember when Jesus was baptized. The father. Spoke from heaven. And the spirit descended like a dove. And the father said. This is my beloved son. With whom I am well pleased. And then remember what happened next in Matthew. He's led out into the wilderness and tempted. And Satan says to him, if you are the son of God, are you going to believe what the father said about you? This is my beloved son or not. And Jesus replies the same way we ought to. It is written. These scriptures are sufficient. It is written that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Friends, that's what we need to continue steadfastly following Jesus. So Sojourners Church, let us continue to follow Jesus. For though this path leads through suffering, leads through persecution, it leads to glory and joy. And there are numerous saints throughout the ages who testify that God's word is sufficient for us to walk this path. And that God himself will preserve us and lead us safely into his heavenly kingdom. Amen. Let's pray.
Father, I'm aware, as all of us in here are, that this is easy to talk about and think about and nod our heads to on a Sunday morning, sitting in church, surrounded by those we love who love Christ. This is much harder to live out and to walk out in the midst of a world that hates us. At our jobs, where we're called on to often live in a way that's contrary to truth. To our jobs where we're not encouraged to appeal to Christ. Or with our kids as we're trying to teach them how to think rightly about the world. In a world that's just filled with deception. Or when our friends... that we love seem to fall into deception and walk away from the faith. Lord, these circumstances and more make this so hard. It's only by your spirit working in us, God, that we can trust these things are true. And so I pray that you would strengthen our faith as we come to your table, that you would nourish our spirits by your Holy Spirit. To be able to continue following Jesus and continue trusting in your sufficient word. Would you help us? Amen.